welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by our teaching pastor, Ian Simpkins, as we continue our series, Above All Names. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Good morning, community. How are you feeling this morning? It is good to be with you. My name is Ian, and uh, I'm just thrilled that you're here. Well, it's, uh, it's December, and you know what that means, right? December means all of those, like, end-of-year lists, all those year-in-review, best-of lists, which I got to be honest, personally, uh, I, I love these lists. Uh, one that I always look for is best album of the year. Anyone want to guess what the best album of 2017 is? Anyone? If you say Nickelback, so help me God. I... <laughs> <laughs> I did a little digging, and here's what apparently the album of the year is by an artist named Lord, which is church, Lord. That seemed appropriate, I guess. Um, Maybe you disagree, but it doesn't really matter because these lists are kind of arbitrary anyway. But another list that I found fascinating is this one. Uh, Top 10 how-to Google searches. (laughs) Some of you are ahead of me. (laughs) This research was hysterical. There was things like, Uh, how to make a fidget spinner, or how to buy Bitcoin. But the the number one searched how-to Google search in all of 2017 is how to make slime. (laughs) If, If that's not an indication of like where we are as a nation, I don't know what it is. That is, it's frightening, isn't it? The number one how to search. But maybe my favorite category, though, is this one. This is my favorite category. Uh, top TV dads ranked by parenting skill. <laughs> Anyone, any guesses? Todd Homer Simpson, obviously, a real pillar of integrity. Um, okay, so it won't be a surprise to many of you that this is maybe my favorite TV dad of all time, a guy by the name of Phil Dunphy. <laughs> Little applause for a TV dad. That is... That's pretty exciting. You probably should notice, too, he's holding a book here that says Philosophies, which is, that's straight show business. That is my, that's my kind of joke. But what I want to zero in on, though, is a list that uh, Forbes puts out every year, and it's a list of most powerful people. Now, this list, I imagine, probably won't surprise you. It's mostly dominated by guys like Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, the Pope. And, I, like, I don't, I don't know about you, but, like, I don't mind not showing up on this list. Like, if you're like me, like, most of us don't lose sleep over not making the Forbes most powerful list. In fact, maybe uh, if you're like me, it's a little less about, like, power to rule empires, and I just need, like, power to get through the week. Anyone with me? Like, like, power to get through Christmas, right? Or maybe it's, like, power to navigate a difficult relationship, It's power to get through a tough diagnosis, difficult finances. Whatever it is, I think most of us are probably less interested in the power to rule an empire and more just like the power to survive, the power to make it. Well, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, a prophet named Isaiah actually made a list describing the coming Messiah. And here's what he said said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And this is what you'll call him. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And throughout this series, we want to kind of hone in on each of those four names. And so today we're talking about mighty God, mighty God. So what does it mean that Jesus is a mighty God? Well, that phrase mighty God actually in the Hebrew is the Hebrew words El Gibar, El Gibor. Uh, Let me hear you say El Gibor. Okay, now say it like a pirate. You were way more willing to do that than I thought you would be. That was, that was impressive. El Gabor simply means this. It means God is a mighty warrior. So it, it carries with this, this connotation of like, like military strength and power. But this phrase is not just about God's power, not just about Jesus' power. It's also about his identity because Jesus is God. Jesus himself claimed to be God. When the religious leaders were ready to kill him, he declared, I and the Father are one. He received worship as God. When Thomas declared that he, my Lord and God, Jesus praised him for this revelation. And Jesus claimed to be able to do things that only God could do, saying, who can forgive sins but God alone? This phrase, El Gabor, isn't just about Jesus' power. It's about his identity. It's about who he is, and he is God. I think there's actually a lot of confusion around the divinity of Jesus. In fact, I meet a lot of people who are like totally okay with him being like a cool guy, like a, like a good moral teacher, like a decent hang, like who wouldn't mind the water to wine thing, right? That's a good, that's a good friend to have. But I think a lot of us, we see Jesus as a good role model, but not necessarily a savior. In his brilliant work, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis offers this warning. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, meaning Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would actually not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on level with the man who says he is a poached egg, which sounds like a fun guy to hang out with, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Personally, I think what we believe to be true about Jesus is massively significant. That baby lying in the manger wasn't just some cute newborn. It wasn't a baby that would grow up to be a good moral teacher. He was Emmanuel, God with us. Now today we're talking about mighty God. And when when I think of a baby, right, you don't typically think of a baby when you think of power, right? Except like maybe when it comes to dirty diapers. That might be the one caveat. But typically when we think of like an infant, when we think of a a baby, we we don't think of power. But like who who doesn't love like a cutely wrapped little infant, right? Like a, like a baby like this one, right? 
Okay, anyone want to guess which staff member this is right here? Anyone, any guesses? I mean, if only we could know what this baby was saying, maybe that would, maybe that would offer us a, a clue. Any clues? New community music CD on sale now. <laughs> any guesses now? It's, it's Lucas. It's our worship pastor, Lucas. Uh, okay, how about this one? How about this baby? Any guesses as to who this baby is? <laughs> Someone's mom is here. Right on. And he, this baby looks like he's keeping a secret, doesn't he? Like, he's got some information that maybe we want to know. Any, any guesses as to who this baby is? Someone on staff? Doug. Everyone always guesses Doug. It's actually our very own host today, Mr. John Hughes. There he is. Okay, last but not least, uh, anyone want to guess who this baby is right here? Just epically looking off into the sunset, right? For sus. I shall help people find their way back to God, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, it's Dave Ferguson. And uh, this to me is evidence of one thing that Dave Ferguson does not age, right? I, I can prove it to you. Take a look. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same face, same exact face. Okay, you want to do one more? Let's do one more. This is the only baby picture I could find of myself that I was comfortable showing you. <laughs> Clearly have my mother's eyes. There I am. <laughs> but typically, right, when we think of babies, when we think of infants, we don't, we don't think of might. We don't think of power. Like, we have a newborn in our home, and uh, let me tell you, I love him to death. He doesn't do a thing, right? Like, I keep trying to get him to mow the grass and do the dishes. He's not having it. Like, if you don't hold his neck up, he just, like, bobbles around like a crazy person. Like, his most favorite item in the house right now, ceiling fan. He just stares at it. And I'm like, should I be concerned? He just stares at the fan all day long. Babies aren't mighty, right? They're not powerful. They're, they're helpless. They depend on us for everything. And yet Jesus, this baby... Is a mighty God. In fact, his power was revealed even before he could sit up. Jesus is the word that spoke the universe into existence. When the shepherds saw the star in the sky, they traveled for miles upon miles to kneel before this baby. In fact, King Herod was so threatened by this baby, this infant in a manger. As Jesus grew, his power was revealed through his miracles. He turned water into wine. He healed incurable diseases. He raised people from the dead. This baby, this Emmanuel, is a mighty God. But maybe the ultimate revelation of Jesus' power came through his own death and resurrection. And here's what I want you to get this morning. Here's what I want you to not miss. Here's what I find truly amazing is this, is that Jesus' power is available to you and me. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is available to you and me. Not like down the road sometime, not once we sign the right amount of cards or face the right direction. Right here and now, that same power is available to you and me. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, puts it this way. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. As if to say, there's going to be stuff that your physical eyes 
can't see. They won't see. So may, may your heart be open to this reality. May your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Do you feel the gravity of that? What Paul is saying is the power that we have access to, it's not just like a little bit of power, it's not like second glass power. It's, it's, it's not like off-brand power. It's the very power that rose Jesus from the grave. And Paul says, when we realize that, when our hearts are open to that, when they've been enlightened to that reality, we will have hope. We will have hope. Why? Because our God gives us the power to press on. The power to press on. I don't know about you, but there are seasons sometimes, right? I just need to like make it through. Maybe you're in a season like that right now. Like you're like, I I barely got here. I am burning the candle at both ends. I am this close to coming unraveled. That God gives us the power to press on. Today, we echo the Apostle Paul in Colossians 1 when he says that this would be our prayer, that we'd be strengthened with all, what's the word? Power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, that we might be strengthened. Now, in the original language that this letter was written in the Koine Greek, that phrase there, according to, is a word that would actually be used to describe a river, specifically the current of a river, which I think is a really beautiful way of describing God's power, actually. Many of us have maybe perhaps tried to swim upstream, and when you're going downstream, the swimmer still has to swim, but when you're actually following the current, you find that you go further and you go faster. It's a lot like the advice given if you've ever gone whitewater rafting. Anyone ever gone whitewater rafting before? So uh, every couple of years, my brothers and I like to get together and uh, take a trip somewhere, and so Uh, This August, we went whitewater rafting, and here we are. Things are going okay so far. You might notice that we're all wearing matching red, white, and blue singlets. Just ignore that part. Um, And here we are. We're having a good time. Someone's making a Zoolander face. And then this happens. And that is, uh, well, that's the last time we ever saw this brother. We don't know what happened to him. He's, oopsie. But even that seems to be like, okay, and then this happens. And now you can't see anybody, and we're just like waving the oars. It's like, we give up. We're done. Like, we, we were not in a good place. And I think our, our guide kind of sized us up before we began this journey, because she said, um, when you fall out, and I was like, uh, none taken. Jeez. <laughs> she said, when you fall out, don't try to swim back to the raft. In fact, let the current take you connect with another raft or swim to the side to safety. Don't try and swim upstream back to the raft. That's not gonna go well for you. And I was thinking about that this week. 
that there are multiple seasons in my life where I know now that I'm out of them, I was swimming upstream in my own strength. For whatever reason, whatever motive, God, I think, was trying to do something in my life, and I was like, no, I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna gonna swim the way that I want to swim. N.T. Wright, as he often does, puts it brilliantly. He says, and so it is when our weakness swims in the stream of God's almighty power. I mean, I love, I love that image. Our weakness swims in the stream of God's almighty power. Our God is the God who gives power to the faint. Could anyone use some power in their life today? Some strength for weakness. I remember when I, when I first started out in vocational ministry, um, without getting too much into the nitty gritty, about a year into my hire at this church, just a whole bunch of things fell apart. And I remember being like truly terrified, thinking like this, this does not look good. And I began to ask myself like, God, am I, am I just gonna become one more statistic? Like a pastor who burns out in 18 months and then leaves and then you know, opens a coffee shop or something somewhere. Like, is that, is that going to be me? And I would cry out to God and I would cry out to my friends. And I, I remember feeling in that moment, like I, I did not know if I was gonna make it. I did not know if I was gonna survive this. I mean, I can look back now with confidence that God was doing something in those seasons. That even though it was chaotic and it felt upside down, he, he was moving me down the stream. God's power was carrying me through those seasons. I still had to swim. Man, there was so much more going on than I could ever dreamt or imagined. I think maybe some of us have been trying to swim upstream, trying to make it on our own. But God's power isn't just for those of us who are in a season of difficulty. I know that's probably a lot of us, but there's others of us that you're like, actually, my, my life is pretty good right now. I don't really feel like much is falling apart at the seams at all. I think God also wants to give us the power to partner with him. The power to partner with him. If you're anything like me, whenever God like places a dream in my heart, honestly, my first reaction is just to feel inadequate. Anyone, anyone feel that way? Like, it's just a whisper, it's just a seed. My, like, my knee jerk is like, I don't have the chops, I'm totally inadequate, I don't have the skill set, I don't have the experience. I just, I just jumped right to all the things that, like, could stand in the way or would disqualify me. I just don't think I'm cut out for it. I'm gonna say this as plainly as I possibly can. If the power of God is in you, there's no challenge or obstacle greater than that. There's not, a, there's not a single person, thing, or reality that's greater than the power of God. If he's placed a dream in your heart, if you sense a, a tug, a nudge that God wants you to join him in the work of helping people find their way back to him, man, he's given us power to join him, to step out, to put one foot in front of the other. Paul writes it this way in Ephesians 3. He says, now to him who is able to do, what's this word? Immeasurably more. Immeasurably more than all we could ask or even imagine. More than we could even think up in our brain according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. He's saying, and this this power has no brim or bottom. You try to measure it, it can't be measured. Try to wrap your brain around it, 
it's bigger even than that. Do we have a sense of that this morning? For those of us who are just feeling tired, overwhelmed, for those of us maybe know that God's, God's given a dream to you and, you and you've not yet maybe stepped out and joined him in it. And we have access to that kind of power. I don't know about you. Man, I, I wanna live my life walking around astonished at the things that God is doing. I don't, I don't know if that's audacious or not. I wanna I want marvel at the things that I see God doing. The things that you step back and you're like, that, I can't even take credit for that. That is clearly God. What a powerful, beautiful God we serve. So why, why don't we see more of his power in our life? It's the question maybe on a lot of our minds. Okay, so if that's true, why don't I see more of it? Is it possible that maybe we've been chasing the wrong kind of power? I mean, no one expected the Messiah to come as a baby, right? No one expected that he'd be born in a stable. No, no one expected that he would care for the homeless, that he would wash feet, and that he would ultimately die on a cross. No, they, they thought that he would come with military might. They expected a conquering king, a military ruler. Yeah, but I gotta be honest, I think we just too often look for power in the wrong places. We look for it in the corner office, the bank accounts, in the titles and the fancy cars, in our abilities and our control. And like, I mean, is there power in those things? Sure. But any, any kind of power that we pursue in this world, man, it's, it's a vapor, it's a mist. It doesn't last. So this Christmas, let's not miss the mighty God who is present right here and now and wants to move through us. So let me ask this question. Where do you need God's power today? Where do you need God's power today? Maybe you're in the midst of like a really difficult season. Maybe it's a difficult relationship, a challenging job, a diagnosis, an addiction. Maybe you need God's power in a tough spot. Or maybe you need God's power for the courage to actually chase the dream that he's put in your heart. To, to go after the thing that you, you know is not from you. You know it's from him. So this, this is what I wanna ask you to do. I want you to close your eyes for a second. Just every, wherever you're at, I just want you to, to close your eyes. And I want you just to say a silent prayer. And in the stillness of this moment, I just want you to finish this sentence. Jesus, I need your power to blank. Jesus, I need your power to blank. Do you know what's amazing about what just happened in this room? is that God heard you. The God of the universe is not off on some distant planet. He's near, he's present, and he hears you. 
2,000 years ago, God broke into this world as a baby, as Emmanuel. And you know what I think? I think today God wants to break into our world. I think he wants to break into our hearts. I think he wants to break past the facade and the noise and the distraction and do something in our life that only he can do. Because when he does, nothing is ever the same. So I want to close by reading that Ephesians 3 passage again. And I'm not just going to read it. I want to declare it. I want to speak it over all of us that this may be power in our here and now. And Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According not to our power, but to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us with that kind of love, for pursuing us, for seeking us. God, I pray for the people in the room who are feeling buried, feeling underwater, feeling at their end. May you be power in that brokenness. God, and for those of us who've maybe refused to actually chase that dream that you've placed on our heart, give us the courage to take that next step. May the eyes of our hearts be opened up to the reality of what you want to do in and through us. God, we thank you that you allow us to join you in your work. And we pray for power not just to live, but to live fully, to live fully for you. We pray all of these things in the beautiful, mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.